Morning, church. How's everybody doing today? So let me do a quick review. We've been talking about our new mission, love God, love others, and make disciples. And the last five weeks in August, we've been talking about each one of those, worship, outreach, youth, children, and connections. And to help us talk about connections, which is what we're going to do today, this is Holly Baldridge. We hired her in July, late July. She is our connections minister. So you've probably received some emails from her, some, some contact from her. You're already seeing on Instagram and Facebook how she's helping us get connected. So um, Holly's going to help us explain, help me explain. We're going to explain um, what, being, um, what it means to be connected and what being connected looks like. So my first illustration is my favorite illustration. I've used this before. Um, I, I just think this illustrates what we're trying to communicate. And since Holly loves coffee, um, it's about Starbucks. You do love coffee. So much. Who doesn't? Good. I looked this up this week. This is fresh this week. This is on Starbucks. Connect with something bigger. I find this fascinating because they're selling coffee. But they say connect with something bigger. Working in a Starbucks store is different from any other job. We are creating moments of connection. That could be our mission statement here, but Starbucks already stole it. Um, with our customers every day all around the world. And they have a career opportunity card. When you work at Starbucks, you can make a difference in someone's day by creating an environment where neighbors and friends can get together and reconnect while enjoying a great coffee experience. Not until you get to the last sentence do they even mention coffee. They're talking about connections and reconnecting and those things. So, a couple questions for Holly. How does this illustration fit with what we're trying to do to connect people? And tell me why you're so passionate about connections. Okay. I think just like Starbucks, we want to create meaningful ways to connect um, in here so that when we go outside of these walls, we can be better connected with our community. But it starts in here with us. I personally am passionate about connection because I've been blessed my entire life to have deep-rooted relationships, people that have loved me, people that have carried me when I couldn't carry myself. And that's what being connected to me is all about. Okay, and we're going to hear her story in just a few minutes, but let's keep moving. So to keep moving, we want to define the why. Why should we be connected? And the best way to define the why is through Scripture. So this is from Acts chapter 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They met together every day in the temple courts and in their homes, breaking bread and sharing their food. I want to say it another way. They were, they were connected every day. They met, they met together. They met together every day. They were connected. They weren't just connected for another worship. They weren't just connected for another Bible study. They were connected with their lives. So Holly's got some more scripture she's going to share with you to explain, to explain the why. Okay, Ephesians 2, 21 through 22. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So we are together, connected together. Next slide, please. Ephesians 4:25. For we are all members of one body. In Christ's body, we are all connected to each other. So we're connected through Christ. I interrupted you, sorry. No, you're good. Go ahead. 
Okay, let me share a couple quotes with you. I may have shared these with you before. Uh, Dan Ryland, the most common reason people check out your church is someone invited them. The most common reason people leave your church is they don't feel connected. They don't leave because of preaching. They don't leave because of the song service. They don't leave because of classes. They leave because they're not connected. That's why we're talking about connections. Here's another quote. Christianity is about relationships. Love God and love others. That's part of our mission statement. Love God, love others, make disciples. You can't do one without the other. So you've got to be connected to God and you've got to be connected to others. And so that's what we are talking about today. There's a lot of reasons and a lot of benefits to living connected. We want to encourage you to do life together. There's big picture connections that we're going to talk about today. But um, I want to tell you about a study. I'm going to let Holly tell you about a study. Uh, in fact, Claude sent you an article that you shared with me that we're going to share with you all. This is a pretty fascinating study, so I'm going to let Holly explain this study. So this study was a 75-year study that Harvard did. And for 75 years, um, which this is one of the longest longitudinal studies that had ever been done, um, Harvard tracked physical and emotional well-being of two different populations, 456 poor men growing up in Boston from 1939 to 2014, and then 268 male graduates from Harvard's class of 1939 to 1944. So here are some quotes that stood out to me after reading it. The clearest message that we get from this 75-year study is that good relationships keep us happier and healthier, period. The study demonstrates that having someone to rely on helps your nervous system relax, it helps your brain stay healthier for longer, and it reduces both emotional and physical pain. The next quote, it doesn't matter whether you have a huge group of friends and go out every weekend, or if you're in a perfect romantic relationship, it's the quality of your relationships. How much vulnerability, I love that word, and depth exists within them. How safe you feel sharing with one another. The extent of which you can relax and be seen for who you truly are. The data is clear that in the end, you can have all the money you ever wanted, a successful career, be in good physical health, but without a loving relationship, you won't be happy. The last one, relationships are messy and they're complicated. The good life is built with good relationships. That's a great study. Those are some great quotes. That's the why. We're trying to tell you the why you need to be connected. There's a lot of ways for you to be connected, but that's the why. So we're going to tell you how we want to encourage you to be connected. So I'll let Holly do these. Okay. One of the ways is being connected in worship. Um, that may be here. It may be online. And um, that's, that's just because that's the way God designed it. God designed us to connect with each other so that we can connect with him. Um, another way is in a Bible class. That could be on Zoom. It could be here on Sunday mornings. It could be on Wednesday evenings. But get connected. You're studying together. You're having conversation. You're connected, and you're learning about the Lord. Um, connected and serving. This could look like a lot of different things, but you could find ways to serve in the church. Bruce and Vince talked about opportunities to volunteer and to help them. Um, you could find ways to serve in our community, and then you could find ways to serve in your neighborhood. 
four, connected in fellowship, which is probably my most favorite way to be connected. Um, Every Wednesday, starting September 8th, we are going to have a meal here at the building. It'll start at 5.30, and it's just a great midpoint connection. You can come, you can eat, you can fellowship, and you can leave if you want, or you can connect with one of those Bible classes that we just talked about. Um, I know that y'all have had meals in the past. It's taking on a bit of a different structure starting September 8th. All the proceeds that are made from these meals are going to go back to a local ministry. For September, it's going to go to Leon Heights Elementary, which is an elementary school right here in our neighborhood. And it's going to help teachers with classroom supplies. And what we want Leon Heights to know and BISD to know is we are for them and we want to be connected with them to make a difference in our local community. So you guys can help with that. You can cook a meal. Um, Our small group is just going to serve pizza. That's what works for us. So you don't have to feel like you have to cook a meal, but you could just show up and serve. And just as a reminder, all of the proceeds are going to go out to local ministries. In October, it's going to go to Cherokee Children's Home in Oklahoma for Christmas gifts. Here, Texas. I'm sorry, in Texas. Right. Oklahoma does have some good places we could support. <laughs> well, we're just glad want, about that too. But we're going to keep record, it. We're going to keep it here in Texas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> keep the money in Texas. Pretty sure you so. told me. About that. So we'll talk about that we later. Should, we should keep Move moving. On. <laughs> uh, we want you to uh, be connected in a small group, and that's we we want to illustrate that with the rest of today. You're, you're here right now in worship, and we're glad you're connected in worship. And some of you stay for Bible class, and that some of you don't, and that's okay, but you're connected in a Bible class. There's so many ways, like we have shown, to be connected, but we really want you to be connected in a small group. And I want to illustrate that, um, because doing life together is um, very important. So here's what I want to do the rest of the time. Here's it. From the moment I heard this story, this is the story I want you to hear. So I'm going to have Holly talk about her story and connections. I realize everybody's different. The way Holly is wired is different than the way I'm wired, but she's going to illustrate. It's not a bad thing. It's great. Just stay with the script. Okay. Here's here's what I want you to see. Some of y'all been going to church here a long time. Some of y'all been going to church here many, many years. Some of y'all are so entrenched here that... Um, coming to a new church, um, you, you haven't come to a new church, you've been in this church. But Holly and her family moved here just over a year ago in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of COVID, in the midst of a new job for Stephen, new school, new everything, um, and probably did a little bit of church hopping, just kind of seeing where they wanted to get connected. But I want you to hear her story to illustrate why we need to be more intentional with connecting with each other and connecting with people who are walking in these doors. So tell me a little bit about your story. So like Richie said, we moved here um, last summer, and it was crazy. Moving is crazy anyway, but it was the middle of a pandemic, and we had lived in Abilene for 11 years. We were deeply connected, had deep roots, and it was like shaking a snow globe. Um, we came here and all the pieces began to settle. Um, there were many days of loneliness, of isolation um, for my kids, for me, for Stephen, and um, just kind of emptiness. 
And for me, I remember it came to a breaking point, and one Sunday I looked at Stephen and I said, we have to go somewhere, we have to do something. I miss being connected to a church family. And so we visited, and it snowed that day, so you're welcome. <laughs> um, so let me read, with you, read to you real fast um, a passage from Facebook that I just recently found. In the wild, when a mama elephant is giving birth, all of the other female elephants in the herd back around her in a formation. They close ranks so that the delivering mama cannot even be seen in the middle. They stomp and they kick up dirt and soil to throw off an attacker's scent. They surround the mama and incoming baby in protection, sending a clear signal to predators that if they want to attack their friend, while she is vulnerable, there's that word again, that they'll have to get through 40 tons of female aggression first. Scientists tell us they normally take this formation in only two cases, under attack by predators like lions or during the birth of a new elephant. Now, I paraphrase, that's not the entire quote. Here's the end. There is no community like a community of women, Jen Hatmaker. So Jen Hatmaker actually wrote that post in 2017 but I only recently discovered it a few months ago because a dear friend of mine posted it on her Facebook wall. She posted it because she's in the midst of grief and sorrow because her husband was killed in a car accident in March. <clears throat> um, and my friend's tribe has surrounded her like a herd of elephants and they've kicked up the dirt around her and they've made her feel safe in the most unimaginable time of her life. So, sorry, I'll wrap this up by saying, I do agree with Jen Hatmaker, women are fierce and strong, but I think my edit would be, there's no community like a community of us, not just women or men or kids, just us. It takes all of us. Okay, I wanna ask you a question. Okay. Um, when Holly first shared her story with me and she wrote down words like excruciating and loneliness and isolation, um, the, the, her family's a church-going family, but they moved to a new community and they didn't know anybody. So the people that walk in these doors, whether it's us who've been here, we all have bouts of excruciating loneliness, isolation. And sometimes we can so go through the motions of being here and putting on our nice clothes and, hey, how are you? I'm fine, that we don't realize the excruciating loneliness, isolation that one another is going through. That's why we want you to be connected. That's why we feel the importance of not just worship, not just class, not just a small group. It's important that we meet together and that we're connected. But you've got more to your story. I want you to keep going. I do. So I've been blessed my whole life, like I said before. I've been parts of, of lots of tight-knit groups, and I'm sure you have too. Um, I think about sports teams, colleagues at work, mom groups, dad groups, hobby groups, social clubs in college, and the list can go on forever. But we've all been able to be a part of a group somewhere. Um, and just in my mind, I can think of a few relationships that really built me and shaped me. Um, my youth group in high school, my friends Natalie and Laura, Shannon and Aaron, Jessica and my college friends, uh, a young married group when Stephen and I were young and um, living in the Metroplex, Mike and Katie, Ben and Holly, Mark and Jen, 
The list can go on forever. I can think about relationships that made me who I am and that um, I was connected to. So each one of those groups that I just talked about is, uh, stirs up happy memories in my mind. I can think about times that I've laughed with them and we've poked fun at each other or we've had fun shopping trips or whatever you want to say. It's kind of like the, the highlight reel of Instagram in my mind. Um, but the things that I didn't share with you are some of the tragedies that happened with some of those friends, like losing a three-week-old baby, divorce, divorce of parents, death of a parent, loss of an elementary child, death of a spouse, loss of grandparents, loss of job, just tragedy in general. So, you know, we don't typically take pictures of all of those hard times, but they're still there. They're still in our memories. And those times are vulnerable, and they're hard. So let me tell you my, my first story. I had a friend in high school, and she called me. We were great friends. She called me one day, and she said, I need you to come to my house right now. My parents are divorcing, and I don't know what to do. Y'all, I was 17, and I had no idea what to do, but I knew that I had to show up for her. I'm pretty sure I got in my car without my shoes on, and I drove as fast as I could, and I found her pacing her sidewalk, completely distraught, as anybody would be. And at 17, I wasn't qualified, didn't have the capacity to know what to say to her, but I knew I had to be there for her, so I showed up. So certain um, words that she uses, I think, illustrate connections. Um, the reason we stress connections is you need to have someone in your life that shows up. And you need to be that someone in somebody else's life that shows up. So when we talk about connections and we talk about groups, I don't want you to think necessarily of any formalized, structured deal. It could just be two or three people in your life that show up. Or you're one of the two or three people in somebody else's life that shows up. When I read through the New Testament, when I read about those early Christians and they were dying and being thrown in the arena and, and they were meeting together, they just needed to meet together to show up to encourage one another. So I don't want you just to think of a structured, organized um, uh, religion that we're trying to create here. We're trying to create connections and how important having people in your life is. I'm going to let you keep going. Sorry, I keep interrupting. That's okay. So after our girls were born, um, they had to spend a few days in NICU. They were, they were just a little bit early, and it wasn't anything major. They just needed help breathing and getting their temperature right. And I'm sure at the time it was a lot more major to me than it is now when they're fine. Um, and during that time, our community really showed up for us. They brought us meals. I don't, I don't remember ever needing or wanting for anything the entire time we were at the hospital. They loved on our boys, they took our boys places, they, they took care of our family, and they stood in the gap while Stephen and I were at the hospital. Shortly after Izzy came, or the girls came home from the hospital, Izzy quit breathing, and I had to call 911, and we ended up back in the hospital. And she was fine, but that same community rallied around us again, and it had only been a few short weeks um, since we'd left the hospital, but they continued to show up for us. So Stephen and I were part of a small group, um, actually right after the girls were born, about a year after they were born, um, we formed a small group purely based on fellowship. Um, we had kids in high school and then all the way down to my girls. So we felt like the natural thing was just a fellowship group. 
So we started this group and um, spent a lot of time together outside during the summer watching kids swim, laughing at each other, taking care of each other, and um, just really developed some strong bonds. One Sunday, um, we got a phone call and um, we were told that Hudson um, had been taken to Cook Children's and that, or rather, that he likely had leukemia and he was being taken to Cook Children's. So our friends Kirk and Laura that were part of that small group went with their son to Fort Worth and we found out the next day that in fact Hudson did have leukemia. And the thing that I remember, we were part of, um, we went to Abilene Christian School and it's a community in and of itself. And that community and our small group and our church rallied around our friends in one of the hardest times of, of their lives. Um, we mowed grass, we fixed dinners, we picked up kids, we did whatever we could do to rally around them, to love them, to take care of them, to stand in that gap when they were the most vulnerable. Hudson died just a few months after his diagnosis. And once again, we stood in that gap. We loved them, we prayed for them, we held on to them, and we tried to carry them when they couldn't walk on their own. So the thing that I wanna reiterate there is we continued to show up. So let me fast forward to last September. On September 4th, I get a text and it says, what time are we getting started? And I won't lie, I was still asleep. I, I, I hadn't even woken up yet. We had just closed on our house, and I was a little confused, and I said, what, what are you talking about? You hadn't had coffee yet. I had not. And that is the most important part of the day. Um, and it was Kirk. And he said, what, what time are we getting started? I'm here. See, Kirk showed up in Belton from Abilene to move us into our house because he knew we weren't connected here. He knew we didn't have anybody here to move us in. So he got up at 6 a.m. in Abilene, and he drove to Belton. He worked all day long. He filled up his Dr. Pepper at three and drove back to Abilene. He shows up. We show up for each other. So when we say we want you to be connected, we want you to show up. Not talking about worship, not talking about Bible class, talking about in, in a community, in a group of people. And I'm guessing most everybody here has a community, a group, and we, we don't even need to know those. Um, we, we'd like to know groups that you're involved in because uh, maybe there's some other people that want to be involved in groups. So again, some of y'all have been going to church here a long time. Um, just remember, there's people walking in the door that would like to be connected and would like to be in that group and might be the people that show up in your life. So connections is more than just any of this. It's, it's showing up. Do you have another story? Just a quick one. Okay. So a few months ago, I was watching The Blacklist, and I don't know how many of you watch The Blacklist, but it's a favorite of mine. Um, maybe a spoiler alert, so... Um, but in this particular episode, a character from the very first season showed up and was talking to, or actually recognized, the main character, Elizabeth Keene. And um, in the first episode, where this little girl was in, she had a bomb strapped to her chest, and Elizabeth, again, the main character, diffused that bomb, and in the process, saved the little girl's life and saved thousands of other lives. 
And so in fast forward to the most recent episode, they're reminiscing, and this, this little girl now is a grown woman, and she looks at Elizabeth after some conversation, and she says, most people just live their lives, but you made the world a better place. So for so much of my life, I have believed that in order to make big change or do big things, that I needed to be um, I needed to do the big things. I needed to be the president. I needed to have a big career. I needed to be able to defuse bombs. Um, but the older I get, the more I realize that it's really not about the big things. It's about the small things. And those small things make big change. And it adds to the bigger piece of this puzzle. So small things that turn into big things are building relationships and communing and and creating community with each other, showing vulnerability and compassion all through love. Those are the things that will send us to the outside community and the dominoes are gonna start to fall. And that's when we'll see the big change happen. We don't have to know how to defuse a bomb, we just have to be willing to show up and when we're called. And we are all called, y'all. So God never ever intended for us to be alone he intended for us to live in community with each other. Jesus had a small group. His community surrounded him. They traveled together. They taught together. They ate together. They did miracles together. He brought his own group to teach them and to see their vulnerabilities and to love them anyway. So because of that bond, we can celebrate the highs, the joyous occasions, the day-to-day, -day, and then we can depend on those when we need them, and they can depend on us too. So, nothing I mentioned is as complex as diffusing a bomb. Most of it's just living and sharing life with each other, with people that you love, and the people in your group. So, I'll leave you with, we have to be strong in here so that we can go and be strong out there. We love God, we love others, we go out and we make disciples. And, Actually, I'm pulling an audible. I read a quote. Um, I was listening to one of my favorite authors, Gregory Boyle, and a quote in his book said, We have all known the long loneliness, and we have learned that the only solution is love, and that love comes with community. It's Dorothy Day. So what I want to leave you with is this. If you've been here for five minutes, if you've been here for 50 years, you're seen, you're loved, and we want to connect with you, and we want you to connect with us. So I want to go back to that 75-year study, and here's a quote by Henry Cloud. God created us with a hunger for relationship. The soul cannot prosper without being connected to others. Do you want to say anything about that? Because we talked about that quote. We wanted to keep that quote in for today. Yeah. When we're connected to each other and through Christ, I think we can celebrate the good times. We can laugh together. And like I've said, but then we can hold each other up. Um, my friend Jen that lost her husband, I've watched people hold her up and take care of her kids. And that's what we have to do for each other. When we're connected, that's what we get. Okay, so that's what we're talking about with Connected. Um, got this, get connected, find out more about our church. If you want to get connected in any way, Holly is our Connections Minister. There is her email. You might get emails from her. Um, this may be the most important ministry we do at church is to be connected with each other. 
Y'all, it's a, it's a tough world out there, and there's a lot going on, and there's a lot of, um, there's just a lot out there, a lot of anger, a lot of hostility, and we need each other, and we need to show up in each other's lives. So that's what church is, that's what worship is, that's what class is, that's what groups are, is we need each other. So thanks for your attention today. Let me close this in prayer.